Hey gang, it's John. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Deep Dive. This is a special one. We invited back Bill Wadhams of Animotion to talk about their sort of comeback album from 2017, I believe it was, called Raise. Or it's also called Raise Your Expectations. Here's the story. I don't think enough people know about this album, and I'm a big believer in it. When Bill was on originally, um, they had finished the album, but it hadn't quite come out yet. And when it did, I was just really blown away. I think it is such a strong example of what legacy artists are capable of when the planets align. And here's something to re to remember: and emotion with their in their in their heyday with the original lineup that included Bill and Astrid only put out two albums. And this one, they had more control over it. He wrote more of the songs, and I think it is excellent. And I hope that you do too. I really want to get the word out. I think I say it in here, but <laughs> a few weeks ago, I couldn't sleep. It was the middle of the night, and I got up on the computer and just started playing solitaire. And I put on some music to listen to while I was doing it, and I was in the mood for Rays. So I started listening to it, and I'm thinking, man, this is good. And I had all these questions, and I thought, well, Bill's been on here before. I wonder if he'd talk to me about it. And sure enough, he did. So that's what we're doing here. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. I just wanted to know the stories of how it all comes together after so much time. And I hope that he's as proud of it as he deserves to be because it's really, really good. Anyway, enjoy this conversation with Bill. Of course. So a couple of nights, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I can't sleep. And instead of laying in bed, it's like two in the morning. I think I'll just get up and play solitaire on the computer or something like that. So I, I get on and I pull up my iTunes and I think, what am I in the mood to listen? I'm in the mood to listen to Animotion. Let's put on Rays. And I'm listening to Rays, Raise Your Expectations. What do you call it? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I guess, you know, I guess we called it Rays, trying to keep it simple. Okay. Okay. So tell me now, uh, I gotta be honest when I listened to, did this album include the whole band or was it like a passion project, almost a solo album of yours? The intent was for it to be an album that included the band. That was, that was the intent. I can tell you that, um, the reason it came about was that, you know, universal music group, we were with Polygram, now it's Universal Music Group. And Universal Music Group has uh, some kind of subsidiary in the UK. And I think it's a label called Cherry Pop. And so oh, Cherry, 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 Red. Pop, Cherry Red, I think. Yeah, okay, I know them well. Yeah, they're nice. great. So Cherry Red reissued our first two albums in the UK. And... Uh, so they were they reached out to me to let me know they were doing it. And uh after we did that, the uh the representative that was talking to me told me, he said, you know, I have a friend who has a little label here in the UK, and uh he would like to help you put out a new album. Turns out those two guys were actually in a band together, like in high school and college really? or whatever. And they played every single Animotion song. So, you know, you kind of have some people who really uh, yeah. dig the band and are interested in doing something with us. So that's how it got launched. I should also tell you that for years, 
I mean, we reunited in, I think, 2001. And over the course of from, you know, that, you know, 15, 16 years until we actually did this record, there were attempts to to, to do albums. And um, uh, they just, you know, we would record a few things and then we just weren't too sure. And then life ensues, you know, things happen, time passes. But when somebody said, hey, um, no, we will actually make an album, then uh, then we were off and running. Um, and I wanted to include our original guitarist, Don Kirkpatrick. So over the last 15 years or so, we've been performing and Don is rarely available. He will do some shows with us, but he's been... He was picked up by Rod Stewart 20 some, 20 some years ago. So he, I just talked to him yesterday. He's still doing, they're about to do a, uh, a residency at Caesar's palace. I just saw Rod a month ago, right around the same time. I saw you guys here in Denver at the lost eighties. Right on. You guys right are on. great. I want a whole show of you. I'll tell you, I'll save my opinions about the Lost 80s thing here in a minute. We have a, we have a whole show coming up. Oh, good. I'll tell you about it. But, um, so, so uh, I wanted to include Don. I told him, Hey Don, you know, we've got somebody wants to make an album with us. Don said the uh, musical director for Rod Stewart's band is named Chuck Kentis. And he has a great studio in his home. He's pr- recently produced an album. Uh, anyway, he'd, he'd done some really great work. I love working with this guy. Let's let's consider working with Chuck. Chuck is a keyboard player and musical director of Rod Stewart's band. No longer. He actually had a, he had a terrible like fall and broke his hand and just it really messed him up. So he, that kind of threw him off of that a few years ago. But um, so we, we launched into this. We started, it began with writing me and Don and Chuck in a hotel room at Caesar's Palace where they were in residence. So we were trying to find a time we can get together. And they said, well, we're going to be in Vegas for like three weeks or something. Why don't you fly out? stay stay here in the hotel and then we'll set up a little demo studio and we'll go at it and that's how the recording began um later on down the road we brought in greg the keyboard player original keyboard player to play uh keyboards chuck wanted to uh program the drums you know he's producing it he's programming the drums they sound fantastic Mm-hmm. Our drummer Jim was not too well. Actually, at the time, uh, we were we were working with a drummer named Kevin Rankin, who is now with Flock of Seagulls. I was going to say I recognize that name. Yeah, right. So Kevin was with us for fifteen years. So we start working on this album, and we don't include him. He he was he didn't like that. But mm-hmm. but uh, but what are you going to do? You know, when you've got a producer who's killing it on and wants to control the drums. And he doesn't have a drum room. Yeah. Right. So in order to keep this thing on track, keep it moving forward, I just had to say, sorry, this is the way it's going. Right. Um, 
And so it started with just me and Don and Chuck. And then we folded in Astrid. Uh, Astrid not only sang, but she worked on lyrics. Okay. When we talked before, I feel like, again, this was a long time ago. Um, you had mentioned, if I remember correctly, you had heard a remix, re maybe even the remix of Let Him Go that's on the album by Joman, Joey yeah. something. I don't remember his real name. Mancuso. That's it. Um, you had heard a re his remix of that. I heard a remix of Obsession that oh. I liked. He okay. did a remix of Obsession and did a video that had a bunch of <laughs> clips from, what is it, Grand Theft Auto. Oh. Because Obsession was in Grand Theft Auto. So he took, he he had been exposed to the song through Grand Theft Auto. Uh -huh. and, and anyway, he made a really fun mix. And I just reached out to him and I said, I really like this song. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, um, I'd be happy to work with you someday. And so I sent him my version of Raise Your Expectations. And this was before we had a record deal with the UK. And he just went at it. And he returned, he brought back basically what that, what you hear, Raise Your Expectations. Really? And so um, that kind of, that really excited the little label in the UK. They were like, they loved that. And they, you know, as the thing progressed, uh, they liked what we were doing with Chuck. There was a moment where Chuck was like, well, the Joman stuff doesn't really sound like what we're, it's a different than what we're doing. But the guy who's, you know, the label is like, I don't want to lose that track. And I like it the way it is. So. You know, I just, and then I let Joey go off on uh, Let Him Go, and I just said to Chuck and Don, and, you know, sorry, guys, it just, it stays on. It stays yeah. on. <laughs> it's in the picture. Yes. It's in the picture, you know. Yes. Okay. Like I said, I just saw you a month or two ago at the Lost 80s. You guys killed it, and you were the only band that had the whole band there. You guys and Wang Chung, I've seen Dave Wakeling several several times and i've gotten to know him a little bit so he's always great too but it was yeah. so good to see you and and wang chung you know with like most of the real members there playing the songs for real you can tell it's not pumped in like a lot of the other people were um is that your primary job today you mean playing with lost 80s yeah, I yeah, those summer tours, I imagine they're great. I imagine they probably pay, pay pretty well. Is that is that where you make your nut and then you can go do whatever you want in the off season? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. Let me see. Uh the way I would put it is when we when it began, maybe there was four bands and we all played for 45 minutes. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I, I've never been under, able to understand the logic between why is there 12 bands, sometimes as many as 17 acts in a show. And I can only guess that it's just one way that they figure they're going to sell, they're going to sell tickets. But um, uh, like this past year, it was kind of absurd because on some of the shows, 
uh, a lot of us were only playing two songs. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we don't like that too much. We don't like that too much. Um, I the, the Lost 80s tour has never been um, a substantial resource of income. Okay. Um, it's it's enough money to pay for us to get out there, travel out there, stay in a decent hotel, have a good time, come home with a little money in our pocket. But um, no, it's not an in. It's not a. We're not earning a living on the thing. And you know, um, the thing is that um, we have occasionally gone out there as an emotion and went into like a club that holds i don't know 750 people a thousand people and not sold enough tickets like when we when we first got back together there was there really aren't that many agents that deal with um acts at our level in the united states there's really just a few that book all the 80s stuff Mm -hmm. and we we dealt with one of them at first and we went out and played a couple gigs. They didn't say, sell very well, so that agent was kind of mm. done with us. Mm. Um, there was another agent who asked us to fill in on a big tour, but he, he just wanted Astrid and myself to sing with their backing band or whatever, and they wanted us to sleep on the bus. And with you know, I mean, uh, past no, that point, right? I'm not going to do that. You're um, not 25 and hungry anymore. <laughs> no, and and so. Lost 80s has been really fun to be able to play big, beautiful venues. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how, how we would have been able to do that. Otherwise, it really um, makes a difference when you get a number of uh, 80s hit makers together. And there's like a critical mass that happens and people w- are willing to come out to see you. Um, but uh, um, yeah, but it's 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 usually... Uh, like this year, we did 12 dates. Um, in 2018, we did like 22 dates or something all across the United States. That was a big year. Um, that was a lot of fun, but it was also, it was really intense for me because really? I tried to figure out like what percentage of things could go wrong. Yeah. And I thought I had done a I, I managed the group. I thought I had done a great job of figuring it all out yeah and almost immediately stuff started going off the rails like like one of the first things was is i booked hotels and the agent had booked hotels i never asked them to book our rooms yeah they book and now we're paying for two hotels first night of the tour you know i'm like oh my god um so anyway um it's always a bit like that you know and this year the first gig plane took off Flew around for half an hour, went back to the airport, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit. I had a gig in Seattle. I'm in Portland. I was going to fly up there because then we were going to Salt Lake and and I think Denver. And uh, so I had to get off the airplane, rent a car and jam up to Seattle, you know, oh. just barely make it. Got there 15 minutes before the show started, oh. you know, and uh, yeah. So anyway, it's it's always a big it's a challenge but thankfully i think the thankfully once it's up and running and we get up there we have a great time and 
and everybody in the band at this point um we've learned what we uh what we don't talk about you know we learned <laughs> we've learned you know we don't we don't yeah we there, yeah. there's certain things we just don't discuss and uh, everybody gets everybody's got their glasses half full good wow so the reason i was asking about all of that is because i'm wondering where do these songs get to be performed um if i remember correctly it feels like a couple of years ago i can't even remember if this was pre or post covid i feel like you were posting the maybe you had like a local residency there in portland at a bar or a club or something yeah okay and i wondered some of these songs and i'll get deeper into this feel almost a little singer songwritery at their core yeah and i wondered if you were if you were at least performing them there yes absolutely yeah i've here in portland i i usually go out as a trio and there is like a ch there's there's a it's kind of like a chain of pubs this company called mcmenamins has like 65 pubs in the northwest oh. and they buy old buildings like an an old build building that was a school and or an old building that was a church or an old, another old building that was this that you know that that is abandoned or whatever they buy these properties and turn them into pubs and some of them have music venues and um and they're just really fun to play with and one of the cool things about it is is that they they play a, fa a flat fee to bands if you're a four piece you're a two, you know they play you a flat fee whereas a lot of other groups forever it's been like you go into this club you get what 25 percent of the door or something something like that it's up to you to sell tickets and blah 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 anyway this is kind of a departure but yes you know um one song that that really just kills from this album is um they can't touch you on acoustic guitar is just uh really? uh yeah yes and also I, I you you don't know anything about this yet but I, i'm i'm just revising my website and i'm going to have a lot of information about my one one man musical memoir so it's a solo show um where i sing and tell the stories of my life and i would love I've, that i've been performing it in uh small theaters here in portland that I, i've performed it four times this year and um i'm actually taking a class with a uh an acting conservancy conservatory in new york city starting on tuesday um specifically on like developing your solo show do you know who mark mike Berbiglia is yes i do stand-up comic mm -hmm. right and he's his shows have gone to broadway you know like yeah he, his latest one the old man in the pool it comes out on netflix on november 21st but his director is running this course that i'm taking on tuesday so um i've the show is fully fully formed and the uh the last show in the song is they can't touch you Ooh, and it's really you can think about that song as it's a resolution it's yeah. not only is it me thinking about what I would tell my kids as they go out into the world, but it's also, in a way, me looking back at myself, my younger self, and saying, "You did what you could. You, you yeah. know, believe in, you know, it's sort of like retroactively believe in yourself, sort of thing." It's interesting you say that. We'll just go out of order since yeah, uh, yeah. we're already talking about that one. I, I took notes on all of the songs, and when I got to that one, I thought this sounds like someone who's dealt with some rejection 
And it's interesting that you were saying, talking to or singing about your younger self, because that's sort of how it feels. It's like someone with a lot of wisdom and a lot of life underneath them, who knows better, talking to someone else, or, or even maybe just trying to remind themselves that they can't touch you, it's okay, you've done valuable work in this life, you know? And it's such a thoughtful sort of light I don't know, it's almost tender. It's not a ballad, but it's just a thoughtful little piece that's meant to sort of, I don't know, con confirm your life or validate your, your instincts or whatever, you know, something like that. There was a uh, very specific um, moment when it when it came into being. And that that is that um, guitarist Don and, and producer Chuck we're very much about let's let's be spontaneous let's create something new and let's put a new spin on it and uh i got to las vegas the very first thing we did was don kirkpatrick came in and he played this guitar riff and he said sing sing over this guitar riff and i just sang the part I didn't have the words, but I just sang that melody, and he said, okay, that's it. So then we went into the demo room and spent the morning. He recorded the guitar. They laid in some drums, some bass, and now it's time to go to lunch. And then Don said to me, what's, you know, what's going on in your life? And I said, my youngest son, Will, has just left home after graduating from high school he was scouted by a model scout, you know, someone who models, um, for people who model. And this guy said to him, um, would you like to go to New York, Milan, Paris, and London to do, to walk the runway in, you know, fashion shows? And now his mother, my wife, Kate, did that in the 80s quite a bit. But we didn't see that coming up for him. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't see, we never saw him as a model. We never suggested he do that. Did um, he ever express aspirations to do that? No. 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 But um, maybe, maybe a, a year or two before someone had asked him to, uh, to do a little modeling for Nike or something, put yeah. some sportswear on because he's a tall, lanky kid. But then... He gets this call. Do you want to go uh, off to Europe? And so um, here we are at lunch. We've just recorded the the you know the bones of the song. And Don said, "What's going on in your life?" I said, "My son's about to go off into the world. I mean, way off into the world." And he said, "Sing about that." Oh, it's exactly what he said. Sing about that, and. When you think about like what they, what they, you know, anybody who's like, a, there's so many people who have a camera and they say to a young kid, all right, uh, all right, smile, eh, turn around, turn around, turn around, take your shirt off. All right, that's good. Now, yeah, you, you know, I mean, we're talking about professional people, but there's all kinds of weirdos out there, right? Mm -hmm. And people who take advantage of you. Um and people who reject you and, and just make you feel like shit. And so um, 
we knew he was going out into this world and that he would be um, challenged mm -hmm. to hold his own. Mm -hmm. And so the first line was, you don't have to give more than you want mm -hmm. of what they want of you. So, um, and then Don came up with the line, don't have to say that it's two when it's only one. You know, I had, I'd gotten more literal, but he, you know, so now he's, so we were, it was a very collaborative lyric, even though it was my, my initial idea, but yeah. So I was really thinking about his specific challenge of going, going out there. But then I think it, it rolled into sort of my wish for all of my children that they believe in themselves, that they find a way to get the strength to assert themselves and get over rejection. You know, uh, I might, I might cry because that reminds me of my kids too. And that's exactly the kind of thing that I think of when I hear that song. So it's a really beautiful thing. Um, I, I also, I hope it's okay to say this. I think it's a great, your voice on those ooh sounds slightly auto-tuned and it's a really great effective use of auto-tune to me. It's a, you know, it's not, I don't know. It, it's a great. You know what? I, I know exactly what you're thinking of, but it's, it's not as it. I'm pretty sure it wasn't auto-tune, but it was edited in such a way where he was cutting, uh, Okay, the, you know, he was cutting the end of one phrase off and pop. There's a couple places where it's okay. like, seems. Yeah. It's, one place in particular, um, it's a little twisted, but. Um, but I and I don't mean that as a criticism. No. It's a, it's an interesting little effect. It's that it's just as good as any other strum on a guitar or dance beat or anything that just brings an extra layer of color to this already great song. You know what I mean? I really like yeah. it. Yeah, cool. So let's talk about the first one last time. Yeah. When I, whenever I have conversations with my friends about bands that we grew up with that are still making music today, or we haven't heard from them in so long, but there's actually a new album or whatever, this is the album that I think of because it's just so effective of what a band that you may not even think about or you you wrote off long ago as being a one-hit wonder or whatever can still make fantastic songs like this and albums like this and to me this album or this song in particular marries the best of what 80s pop music had to offer with where you and the rest of the band is as artists today in modern times it's just what you want from an 80s act it's not jarring, it's not shocking to you, it's comfortable because it's just as high quality as it was back then. You know? I know what you're saying. Thank you, but it's a little it's it's I don't know if irony, ironic is the right uh, word. But uh, here's the here's the funny thing about this track is that um Chuck Kentis Chuck Kentis has two sons. One of them is a videographer who did the video for for last time. I don't think I've ever the seen the video. One, I gotta watch it. The other one is um he graduated with a degree in music composition and he's like he's been learning like scoring and everything. He's actually been scoring films. Huh. And the music for last time was composed by him. So Chuck really? Stun was doing he he was doing he did not do this with an emotion in mind. It was just like saying I want to write something that sounds like the 80s. 
really? And yes. And so then here we are, we're writing some stuff and everything. And then the producer says, hey, let me just run this by you. Yeah. Um, my son created this thing. And now, like, it wasn't com fully formed and it had no lyrics. But but that whole da 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 yes. you know, the, the whole vibe of it was, you know, the 80s sound was created by, you know, a 22-year-old at the time. I, I think he's a little bit older now, but <laughs> it was wow. his, it was his experiment of like an 80s sound. And then and then we got a hold of it. And Don is such a fabulous guitarist and he puts yeah. those full jangly. Yes. Jangly. I know, love it. Andy Summers like guitar parts. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. And there's yeah. it the drums sound slightly compressed like they might have been in an 80s in an 80s song and the synths are sort of sparkly in yeah. motion in moments like they would have been back in the 80s, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's trying to be an 80s song. It feels more like someone who knew what they were doing back then still knows what they're doing today. Interesting. Okay. So it wasn't even you wasn't even out of your head the lyrics but other than that it wasn't even you making a statement no i mean it, it really i i guess you know the song there was there was like a basic beat and the and the bass and some synths um and they said what do you, what about this and so we went okay and and then like i said guitar and and, and other keyboards and lyrics and so it, it was a collaborative effort but the the bones of it was came from someone who was just imagining the 80s fascinating fascinating yeah. was this a single would it have gotten played on the radio and stuff you know i think i can't remember you know our little label is quite little and in the uh, uk and they did they did put some money out to get some song pluggers to play some stuff. Um, we got some nice play on college radio. I think they tried to push last time as like the first single uh -huh. um, here and there, like, especially with college radio, people would pick up different songs and say, Oh, I like this or I like that. So, okay. um, but I think it, the, the intent from, I, I don't even know if it was like, if we all agreed or how it, but but I, I think everybody agreed. It, it's like if people were wanting to hear animo, this sounds like it could there be. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Except I don't think I hear Astrid on here. She's she's a little bit on there. Okay. She's a little bit on there. Um, I think there are a couple of songs where I don't hear her, and there are a couple of songs where I don't hear you. And yeah. but I know I. My impression is that, and you've sort of confirmed this, is that you're more the driving force in of this album. And so I'm wondering if she is, you know, recording parts for songs at her home and dropboxing them to you and you're, or are you two in a room together or what's the collaboration no, you know what? look like? Um, there were some initial uh, writing sessions with just me and Don and Chuck. Um, but then Astrid and I, Astrid came down with me or we met down in Los Angeles and we spent, we spent some days where all of us were in the room together, crafting lyrics and melodies. When it came down to like 
doing final vocals. You know, there were times when we would both sing on stuff, and then Chuck felt like, I just want this, this, this is just Bill on this song, or, um, you know, and partially because I was getting, definitely being featured here and there, we made a very deliberate effort to highlight Astrid in a few of the songs where she sings uh lead and um and wrote the most of the lyrics and so we you know i definitely had a lot of uh there's certainly a lot of i'm represented a lot on this album and and astrid i i tried to include her as much as possible and she appreciated that and i think we all just kind of recognized you know this is in chuck's studio we've got you know this is we're this is how this we want to get this thing done we don't want to beat another attempt at an album so people people make concessions like okay yeah i'm not on this or whatever okay got it so the next song there are two songs on this album in particular that to me um well we've established what you know some of the songs are very autobiographical but these are band autobiographical and this one not your lover yes I remember when we talked the first time, and I've heard other interviews with you where it's, you are just so emphatically trying to dispel any rumors that you and Astrid were ever a couple, that, that was ever a thing. She married one of the other guys in the band. I don't know if they're, I don't remember which one. I don't remember if they're still married. But that was not what this band was about. You two being a couple and all that kind of stuff. And this song is like, Stop asking. We are not a couple. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can definitely <laughs> look at it that way. Yeah, I, I, I wrote that chorus on a piano here at my home. I'm not your lover. I'll never be uh-huh. me. You know. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if there was a subtext to it. If it's also a message to something else, or is it just about your relationship in the band? You know, I think the idea that um, that you could be close to someone, know someone for years of the opposite sex, do a lot of things with them, but you just know it's never going to happen. It's not. It's not going to happen. Not because I don't think that you're an attractive person or lovable or any of that stuff. Um, the main reason, uh, the two, two main reasons, is that when I met her. I was engaged to someone else, and she was essentially engaged to the bass player Charles. Um, so we're not going to hook up then. And uh, and as time has passed, yeah. It's, so it's just like, you know, um, it's just never going to happen. And uh, and you know, I thought that would be just kind of fun. It's really not. And then I thought it could be kind of somewhat of a universal thing, kind of an anti-love song. Got it. It of works. Her. Or like, hey, let's be friends, but nah, that's yeah. going to be the extent of it. I love it. And there are some almost like heavy metal guitars in the song. And yeah. it's the guitars are are emphasizing the point, it feels like, in a way. That's why they're heavy. Are you playing those guitars, or is someone else doing that? be honest with you, I don't think I played any guitar in this album. I, really? I might have. 
I might have played guitar in composition, but I'm pretty sure Don played every every guitar riff. Yeah. I assumed almost all of it was you. That is so interesting. Yeah, wow. no, it's um Don and okay. and he's the screaming lead guitarist all over that. He's just ridiculous. Yes. But yeah, he played Okay. I don't think I played any guitar. No. Nope. Interesting. Okay. I usually do, but that's again, it's like you know what? I'm here with my favorite guitarist. Yeah. And he's playing stuff and I might pick up something. And, but for the most part, it was just, uh, I, you know, I came in with some gu guitar ideas and stuff on other songs. We'll talk about that, but yeah. Okay. And, and, and this one, I chomped out the chords on a piano, but. Wow. I just assumed most of it was you. Uh, now the other sort of cathartic personal song is bad review <laughs> you I, I think you're reading word for word something out of a review right los angeles right. has produced worse things than animotion smog the 83 dodgers the hillside strangler is that that's from a that, yeah. those were those words were literally written somewhere right literally written the morning after a gig that we were so happy with and so proud of you know to read that was crushing. It just, again, it's my sense of humor. Um, and uh, and really, I make it sound like, thank you for the bad review because we're getting attention. You know, like these days, as you know, people get lots of attention for being, you know, loud, you know, crappy and stuff. And, uh, or for just doing something embarrassing or what, you know. So I, I played with the idea that that the right bad review could actually make someone popular. Totally, yeah. Which, you know, uh, and there is there is a uh, an old phrase is like something like all any any press is good. You know, any press yeah. is yes press. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can tell that's kind of the ultimate message of that song. I think it's I think it's you. Maybe it's Astrid in the song who says like I was mad at first. But, the, you know, then, like you were saying, I realized all press is good press, even if it's right. bad, you know? Yeah. At the yeah. time, we retained our anger. I bet you did. <laughs> it, I bet. We didn't, like, it didn't roll, roll off. No. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. But it's fun. Right. It's, it's a, it is, um, it's an intense song to, to play live. It really rocks. It yeah. really, really rocks. And and we have played it, you know, just quick sidetrack is that Please. Lost 80s Live kind of mandates you can't play new material because yeah. you're only playing a few songs and they've come out for the hits. So play those hits. Um, but we've 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 gone off the reservation a few <laughs> times and, and, and we've played we've played last time we played Bad Review. We've played That Can't Touch You. Um I think that's I think that's that's it uh, from this this album. Good. With good. I hope someday that I can just see a full Animotion show where it's not the three or four hits. It's anything you guys feel like playing for an hour. You well, know? Out, out, practically out of the blue, we've been offered a gig in Green Green Valley, Colorado. Uh, Green Village. Green, that's where. Fiddler's Green is where you guys played the Los Eighty. There's Greeley, Colorado. I don't know. Of, 
I'll look it up before we say goodbye. It's but it's it's about 45 minutes west of Denver. And it's like a ski resort. Yeah. And um we're gonna play there August 22nd. We have to play a 90 minute set. Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Great. I will make the drive. I'd love <laughs> to see that. Right on. Um and we're also playing on the 80s cruise at the end of February. And again, we have to play, I don't know, 70 minutes of that, that yeah. thing. Oh, Never good. done that before. That's great. Yeah, uh, Bad Review has some kind of country bluesy guitar in it. Again, I, I wrote all these notes down about guitars because I assumed you were the one playing them. But I um, I guess not. That's uh, that's Don. I, you know, I always wanted to be that guitarist. Yeah. That was the initial thing before. I know you did. That's why I assumed this was you. Yeah. No, I'm not that good. Okay. <laughs> but bing, 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 you know, that. Uh -huh. I mean, he's fantastic. I, yeah. He is. Man, there's so many different styles on here, too. And I think that's all him. Okay. I'm excited to talk about everything because yeah. I think everything is a masterpiece. Not a really good song for a band that was popular 40 years ago. A gorgeous masterpiece of work is everything. And I wanted, to, more than anything in this conversation, I wanted to tell you that. Thank I wanted you. to thank you for everything. Oh, it man. Is beautiful. Thank you, John. I really appreciate that. It's one of the songs that when I heard the mix coming back to me, I just wept, be, you know, because yes. I was so happy and, uh, and also that the producer took it to another level as the song is going out he gets all psychedelic and yes. everything kind of like trippy i'll tell you the um the the initial idea of a song that sounded like this was that guitarist don said i want to do a song that has the guitar sound kind of vibe of Duran Duran, Ordinary World. Yes, good call, yes. Right? Yes, so, I get like, it. So somewhere on this album, I want to have a big, beautiful... That's it. Strumming yep. guitar thing uh, with some of those lovely, you know, almost Phil Collins like drums or something. Um, but... Uh, so yeah, that's that's that, and then <laughs> the lyrical idea came from um, like if I'd go out for a couple weeks traveling, and I'd come back, and my wife would ask me a lot of questions, and I'd tell her about the tour, and then she wasn't <laughs> like I mean she she trusts me, and she knows that I'm not philandering out on the road, but I guess it, whether it was on tour or or any other thing part of it is just curiosity and part of it is maybe maybe i'm holding back on something that she should know but that the way she um uh you know at there's certain times when she'll just ask me like was was there anything else anything else to that story and that's why I'm saying, that's all you want to know, everything. <laughs> everything, that's all you want to know. Yeah. And 
I think it was a very collaborative lyric. So all of us were sitting in a room throwing out like, you know, desire to comply, you know. Um, you know, we got a little poetic on that and each of us kind of throwing in lines that had something to do with our the way we communicate with people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is is Astrid on this one? There, there seems to, I can't tell if it's your voice pitched higher or if it's a legitimate female singer singing back up a little bit near the she's, end. She's definitely singing back up. Okay. 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 On, you know, uh, overcome resistance. Yeah. You know, all that. Yeah. yeah she's, she's definitely on that. Okay. Cause I know the, the BVs, backing vocals obviously are kind of layered. You can't be harmonizing with yourself like that. So I didn't know if it was just you kind of pitch changed or whatever it's called no, it's definitely def she's definitely okay yeah. the other thing i think is this is the song that i imagine in my dreams when you do those residencies alone at the yeah. pubs in portland and you it, i'm just imagining you with an acoustic guitar and you've played all the songs everyone else wants to hear and you say good night everybody i got one more for you and you devastate the room playing everything alone with an acoustic guitar right there in this pub. And I always think, I want that to be true. I want to be in that room so badly, you know? You know what? Uh, honestly, it's probably not true, but in my dreams, it's true, you know? Well, to me, what really makes the chorus is everything, everything, everything. You know, it's the layers It is in the chorus without them yeah okay maybe it's so less magical i actually did it with my little local trio and we never quite nailed those i was never quite happy with the way that chorus was coming out whereas like they can't touch you is a slam dunk i don't i can do it solo yeah because because it began on a guitar you know um, and it means so much to me. And so, um, yeah, that, but I see what you're saying. And I would, I, I should maybe look again at just forget about what, how I think it sounds. And then no, just, I know what you mean. The layered, the layered chorus is the, one of the magical parts of that. And if without it, is, is the song magical enough to stand on its own? I see what you mean. It loses a piece of its power. I just think it's such a beautiful song that uh, I just want it to be a special moment for you because it's special for me whenever I listen to it. I just love it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Raise your expectations. This one yeah. is another one. This one feels more like your biography in a way. You're talking about all the different places you've moved around to. New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco, British Columbia is in there. Yeah. And then you land in Portlandia. And uh, so what is, what's the motivation to write this song? Are you telling your personal story here? I think, you know, I think there was a, it began, I think the, uh, the chorus, Raise Your Expectations, came after the verses. So it, like, I think I wrote the verse when I crossed the Golden Gate to San Francisco. I was somewhere in time between the summer of love and the dawn of disco. And that's because we moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. My family did. And uh, 
the first stop was San Francisco, although that's wasn't that wasn't where we were <laughs> actually going to live. It, we were having a house built somewhere else, but um, but I loved San Francisco, and it and it was right. It was 1973. It's definitely autobiographical lyrics to a point, and then I I may have uh, okay. There's yeah. a reference to Stevie Wonder at the end. Was he yes. was playing on the car radio or something? It was actually, we were in San Francisco uh, in line to see, like, some tourist thing in San Francisco, like, what was this other song? Uh, if you are the sunshine. Yes, that's it, that's it. Yes. And like, so we're in San Francisco and hearing, you are the sunshine. And it was just, it was a new hit. And it was like Stevie Wonder. So it was like, oh my God. It's sort of a San Francisco, Stevie Wonder, coming to California for the first time, all that sort of feeling. Um, And then I say like, uh, there's nothing but pain from there or something, you know, like, uh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, in in real life, and this is part of what I've met. Matter of fact, I've, I've got a song called jamming in the basement and i sing about how uh my brother and i learned to jam you know play together and then the last verse is um we took the friendly skies out to san francisco between the summer of love and the dawn of disco Uh, rode a ferry across the bay out to sausalito and got munchies just in time to eat our very first burrito then we drove down south to our new family home in Fresno, <laughs> and the audience, the audience cracks up, you know. So, yeah, I borrowed the line from "Raise Your Expectations," but yeah, so that's okay. yeah, that's that's a kind of pivotal moment in my in my life, and in in this song, and in both songs, actually. Yeah, I love it. I love when you when you pitch your voice down for Pioneer. And you go down on the octave instead of up. Yeah. I love every time you do that. And that's one of those little just sprinkles of pixie dust where I think just that one decision makes the song different and elevates it than it would be otherwise. You remember this because of the decision to go down instead of up in those two or three moments. It's miraculous. Oh, you know, I think you know voices are like a signature in a way and some voices are similar but at one point don said that's a that's a bill melody or that's you know he's i i i don't know if you can really define it but 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 basically what i'm saying is i i grew up singing my my mother was a singer and and so we were harmonizing on the way to grandma's house and all that sort of stuff. So I really got my sense of melody from my mom and, and, and singing over the years. And so, um, you know, I'm, this is, this is my little home studio. I wrote Razor Expectations in this little 12 by nine room. I think I even sang it here and then send it to Joman. So anyway, I'm glad you dug it. I do love it. Um, I also, there's a harmonica solo in there. I don't, who, where, who, again, talking about decisions that are out of nowhere, 
Is that you or is that some, who's that? I played the, I played the harmonica on that. Yeah. You did? Um, That's your solo? <laughs> that is. That is me. I actually, um, I think maybe I kind of wanted to put some harmonica on it because of the Stevie Wonder reference. I, I wondered. And um, uh, over the years, like I think, like when I was rocking in in, in my teens and uh, late teens, um, I I played blues harp and you know like rock my rock band or whatever rock yeah. bands. I played a little bit of that. So I just uh, you know I was here in the home studio and I had the thing going and I I actually went out and bought a minor c minor harmonica you know it was like it was different you know yeah. because i was trying to fit in with the you know and it didn't sound it didn't sound quite right with just the standard blues harp and i found this minor key thing and it was just oh i loved it i just i just played over and over again until it sort of like i hit the right vibe oh man yeah it's a great accent to this song um okay the next one is love you better yeah. It sounds a little bit like maybe a breakup song. There's a really one thing I wanted to ask you about yeah. is there's a couple of songs on here that have really funky bass parts. Mm -hmm. And I think your son Chris plays bass. I don't know if he's the one on the album. I don't know if he just plays when you go do a live. I didn't know if that was him. Well, um, yeah, I think I think just about all the bass on this album is Chuck, the uh, producer. Okay. Okay. And uh, with the exception of last time, which is his son. But um, no live. I don't think there's any live bass on this album. And uh, but the thing about um, Love You Better, I think I believe that Chuck, maybe Chuck and Don wrote it for Rod Stewart. Oh, oh, interesting. You know, he was doing Rod was doing albums of new material. And and then he did the, every other album. He'd do like some new material or something. And so they approached him with this song, uh, but had no lyrics. No lyrics. They just liked the vibe. They approached him with this vibe, you know. And then and then we we went at the lyrics, you okay. know, and uh, and singing. And I think a lot of it was me just being, you know, kind of goofy. Okay. Um, Feels a little bit like a breakup song, like maybe there's a story there. There's a part you know, from an answering machine. That's right. And it's it's meant to be just a terribly the guy is kind of terribly insincere and and just wrong. He's like that thing he's calling calling up to basically say, you know, I have to break up with you. I but uh, what are you wearing? So, you know, he's not uh -huh. he's not letting it go. In the meantime, Astrid is singing, I can love you better. I can love you uh -huh. better. As if the woman is saying, you know, stick with me. I can love you better. You should. And and I guess what I was saying as the guy was, this guy isn't worth the love that that person is offering. Um, and you know, there's sounds of like crows or something like yeah. rah, 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 rah. there's some, it's, it's a cartoon. Okay. A it's, it's, it's meant to be kind of a cartoon song. I didn't think about this until you were describing it just now. It's almost, it could almost be, maybe this is a stretch, a sequel to a song like obsession. 
because it's almost this cartoonish fail attraction, uh, you know, odd obsession to people who, I don't know, it's not a good relationship. It's a kinky, weird one, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I hadn't thought of it as a callback to that until just now, but maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe that was part of the plan. I don't know. Interesting. No, I don't think I don't think that that was consciously connected. Um, well, if any band is going to write pop songs about a kinky, obsessive relationship, it should be Animotion. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, okay, the next song. This is kind of an outlier. For everything being an outlier, outlier in the softer direction, this one's an outlier in the other direction. Uh, trust me sounds like a bond theme or a mission impossible theme or a spy movie theme it's pretty much all astrid and it's very industrial sounding are you on here at all what do you do on this one i don't think i'm on there at all and i think astrid said i think astrid told the team she kind of wanted a superhero song and she wanted to be like almost like um what is it? Uh, I'm trying to think of like kind of road warrior type of movie where this woman, you know, woman with the one arm, you know, and like yeah, Fury Road or whatever it is. Yes, Mad yes. Max Fury Road. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She it would it would she wanted it to be like, you know, I'm and the, you know or or uh, Tina Turner and you know the Thunderdome kind yeah. of thing, and so I think that. Chuck and Don just took um, took that concept, also kind of cinematic, and created like a cinematic, big, big, huge thing. Um, <laughs> and she had a blast with it. Yeah, it's fun. It's like a re it's like Lalo Schifrin or whatever that guy's name right. remixed with her singing. You know, it and now that's it. It's kind of what it reminds me of. And. Um, Okay, now the next song, this song is interesting to me. You love it. This is, that's the name of the song. Yeah. Something about your voice in this song that sounds a little clearer. Um, maybe less bass, almost more. I can't tell if it's less treated than other songs. Like there's, it's, uh, I don't know what it is, but something about it sounds cleaner or clearer. Is that intentional? Am I hearing something? Do you know what I'm even talking about? Be honest with you, I'm trying to conjure up in my mind, um, yeah, the, the, the melody and everything like that. Is it? You say it's all very long, you're longing. Okay, this one was one that that I had going on as a like a solo piece before the album was conceived, and so I had uh, like raise your expectation. I'd done my own version here in the studio and then handed off the the pieces to to Joman. So now, now that I know exactly what song we're talking about, and even though you said the title, I was confusing it with some of the other stuff. So, what was your question? I was the, your voice on this song sounds clearer or hmm. cleaner. It's less. It, you meet. You seem to be singing in a slightly higher register. It's not quite as bass heavy, and I wondered if that was um, stu less studio trickery, or I wondered if that's what you're real voice that's not going through any kind of treatment sounds like or if i'm just way overthinking this 
Well, maybe it's not really a matter of overthinking. I should I should go back and listen to that track against other tracks and see if I can see specifically what you're talking about. But I can tell you that um, Raise Your Expectations and You Love It came out of my home studio. Like my vocal was actually in this room, whereas all the rest of the vocals were done in a, in a more professional vocal booth mm-hmm. in, in Los Angeles with Chuck tweaking, you know, the whatever the effects and the compression and all that sort of stuff so it came a bit more raw coming out of my maybe that's it maybe that's the better word yeah it's so i wasn't going to tell you this bill but i will when i was writing down my notes i actually when i do these deep dives with people there's off there's oftentimes one of one song on an album that i sort of forget is there like if you if we were to say you know uh trust me that's the one that sounds like the bond theme oh sure of course raise your expectations that's the one with portlandia and pioneer yes trust me or you love it is the one that i'm like which one is that again i can't quite remember so it's so funny that that you have the exact reaction i have (laughs) that happened to me yeah yeah neither of us okay still a great song but neither it's the one that is kind of last in my memory bank okay the last new song on the album is surrender and this one again is i believe all astrid unless you are harmonizing with her on there no i can't remember if i'm harmonizing or not but i'm pretty sure it's i have to listen to it if okay. it sounds like there's a male voice then i'm on it otherwise okay. it's probably could be all her okay and so she let she then wrote it right if she's singing all the words she wrote all those words probably right yes okay right. okay it's a great closer Something I wanted to ask about in re- so the last one obviously is Joman's remix of Let Him Go, I believe, right? Yeah. What's interesting to me is that there were I skipped over them, but there were a couple of points, raise your expectations, and <laughs> the one we were just talking about. You love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That had very uh strong like dance floor beats in them. And I'm guessing that's all Joman. Joman. Okay, yeah. so is Joman taking the finished song that you and Don and everybody has worked on and then adding some beats to it to kind of make it more rave or dance friendly or something? Yeah, he, specifically, he took stems of music that I created by myself. Don and Chuck had nothing to do with it. So I just composed it here and Joman completely replaced the rhythm of it took out all my drums and probably replaced my bass and in some cases even changed some of the notes of the bass which was kind of a little startling at first but it seemed to you know really work so his thing was that he he's very good at all that you know remix and dance clubs type stuff and he was a fan of obsession and so he you know redid that and that and so he put this very heavy beat in there and it even has some of this it almost sounds like it's collapsing collapsing in on itself and it's 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 unique and for a minute it was like are we going to do an entire joman album but yeah but um because the label loved razor expectations so much but um, 
that's not the direction we went in. Just because once we started working with Don and Chuck and the, the team seemed to be really going in the right direction. Good. Well, I think it's, I'm glad that he didn't touch every single song because then ones like everything or whatever wouldn't be what they are. But what he adds to the songs, the two or the three or four that he did work on, make them perfect. And so it's this, the album has this kind of diversity or breadth that it may not have had otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Bill, I think this is special. I love this record. And I just wanted to tell you that. And I wanted to take a minute. And because if you ever sit there and wonder what it's all about, and if anyone is, does anyone care about anything but obsession? I want you to know that I care about things other than obsession. And I love this album. I think it's such a great example of, what an 80s band would be doing today. And I just wanted to tell you that. I wanted to validate your artistic instincts. Well, thank you. And you know, um, as much as the the art that went into it, um, it was just a feat of getting people together. You know, I mean, yeah. if you've ever tried to get, you know, your kids baseball team down <laughs> from one place to another or something it's like it's just uh herding cats you know yeah. to uh to get to get a band together and 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 see through a project you know when you uh -huh. don't have like you know a massive budget you know a yeah. major label you know like when we were forming, you know, you're all moving, you're all, this is your dream and you're going, oh, we got a major label, you know, and, you know, and every, everything's about that. Yeah. But at this point in our life, it just can't be all about this for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But, is it on vinyl? I don't collect vinyl, but a lot of people do now. So if, it, oh, you're holding it up. There it is on vinyl. It up. Yeah. And, and, um, I'm, a, I'm about to go off, uh, to London. Uh, and I'll be seeing the guy who created this label and owns the label. And um, I'm going to be talking to him about, he keeps promising me. He will like, tell me, you know, do you have some more, vinyl? are there, how many vinyl <laughs> records do we sell? You know, right. we gotta, we gotta do a little business. Okay. So, but we, but we have, um, yeah, there is okay. fine. Good. Have I, um, I need to, I bought it on iTunes because when we talked before it was coming out in like a couple of weeks. So when we talked, it wasn't out, but when oh. the episode came out, it was. And, um, so I immediately bought it on iTunes when it came out so that I would have it to play in our episode then and to check it out. And, um, but I like having tactile. I like having the CDs. Yeah. You know, but I need yeah. to go find a CD of it by that. Yeah, they so. are. Pretty sure they're available. I, like I said, I gotta, I gotta go talk to my man and yeah, and uh, get him to, to help me out there. I'll do it. Anyway, thank you, Bill. I think you're great. I just wanted to tell you that. Thanks, man. I really appreciate appreciate everything you said. It me it means a lot to me because you're right. Uh, we often artists often think, um, wow, you know, <laughs> I was listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I put out an album in 1999, I think, and I and I had I had really held off like I'm not going to put anything out be, until I really think that it could stand up to whatever, you know, or or like be better than Obsession or be, you know, somehow make my mark. 
and I just held on to stuff. I just, uh, you know, years went by. And finally, um, I got together with someone here in Portland and the two of us created an album. And uh, I'm again, I'm just rebuilding my site and I'm putting all the tracks from that album on there. I found that they're, they're not anywhere. They're not on any streaming. I was going to say, I don't think I've ever even heard of this album. I didn't <clears> know it was out there. It's called Black Barrel. And um, oh, this is this is a picture of the cover. I I remember you mentioning this the first time we talked, and I didn't remember it then. I didn't know it then either. Is it I'm under a, your name, Bill Wadhams, Black you Barrel? Know, you can't find you can't find it. I was searching for it today. I, I wonder so, if there were clips on YouTube or something. Okay. Nothing. I don't wow. think so. But but I'm going to get some stuff up there. As a matter of fact, like I said, you can play all the songs on my website when I when okay. I take it out of maintenance mode. Okay. But um but uh but anyway, yeah, so I've I appreciate that your acknowledgement and recognition. Proud to do it. All right, there you have it, Bill Wadhams. Raise or raise your expectations. Go check out this album. I bought it on iTunes. I don't know if that's even a thing anymore. I haven't done that in so long. But stream it, buy it order it, whatever you got to do, but it's worth your time. I mean, didn't you hear a lot of great stuff in here? Stuff that kind of blows you away. Like, this song is great. This deserves to be on a radio somewhere. People need to know about this, but it's hard to get the word out. By the way, guys, listen to this. Um, a few weeks after this, same thing happened. I was <laughs> middle of the night. I can't sleep. I'm on uh, the computer playing solitaire. I queue up another album that's lesser known by an 80s artist that everyone loves and I same thing happens my head is filled with questions so the next day I email them because they were on before and they were really nice about it and they said yes so we have another deep dive in the in the can that's similar to this one of a well-known 80s artist coming back on to talk about one of their really good but lesser known albums anyway thank you Bill for chatting with me and I hope everyone heard some stuff that they like and I hope you'll seek it out or do whatever you got to do because it's well, well worth it. Okay? Thanks, everybody. We love you. <laughs>